episode. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The famous words, give me liberty or give me death, were echoed just 20 miles from where this broadcast emanates across America from sea to not-so-shining sea and across to 180 countries around the world. Give me liberty or give me death, cried Patrick Henry. He was passionate about it. He was passionate about freedom. He was passionate about liberty. But liberty is a very, very serious commodity. In fact, it's a very delicate commodity. Freedom is not free. You've got to sacrifice for your liberty. But the glory of American liberty was born in the light of American honor. That's right. It was born in the light of American honor. The 51, 56 folk who, courageous men, there on in July 1776, gathered in the city of Philadelphia to affix their names to the Declaration of Independence. Most of them were Englishmen at heart, but they were very concerned that liberty had been denied the citizens, the people of the colonies. And so they signed a document called the Declaration of Independence, pledging to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. I want to ask you a question. Whatever happened to honor in America? If we can answer the question, whatever happened to honor in America, we might be able to answer the question, whatever happened to liberty and freedom in America? John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, the son of John Adams, the second president of the United States, said, Posterity, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. So, have we been making good use of it? That's the question. Thomas Paine, who was definitely not a Christian, but at the time of the American Revolution was a serious voice. He said, what we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Thomas Jefferson expressed his concern in a similar way. He said, my God, how little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of and which no other people on earth enjoy. So here are some questions that I have for you today as we launch into the program. What do we make of such service, such sacrifice, such honor today? Do we reverence it? Do we respect its fruits? Do we honor our founding fathers' blood, their lives, their vision? Or has our freedom, our nation under God, taken short shrift in the face of our headlong pursuit of personal peace and affluence? Again, Thomas Jefferson minced no words when he said, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. So are we paying the price? Or do we no longer value liberty and honor? 
Today on Viewpoint, we want to look at those things as we focus, yes, patriotically on the celebration of our country, the birth that is the political birthday of our country, not the spiritual birthday. That went back to 1607, 1630, 1620. But the political birthday of the country, we celebrate that. And I am perhaps a consummate politician, not a politician, but a patriot. Forget the politician part, a patriot. I've been a patriot since I was 10 years of age. Singing songs like, this is my country, grandest on earth. I pledge you my allegiance, America the bold, for this is my country to have and to hold. I gloried when I saw old glory paint the breeze. I love the flag. But the flag is a symbol, my friends. It's not the substance. It's a symbol. It has three colors. Blue, red, and white. The blue represents truth. Do we value truth? The red sacrifices uh, illustrates or symbolizes the sacrifice that is necessary to preserve the truth. Do we value that? And the white represents purity and honesty and integrity. Are we living out that symbol, or is the symbol losing its substance? As we consider those questions, I want you to listen to the words of our national anthem sung by one of the greatest voices ever to sing those precious words. Some might say, well, it was Whitney Houston in 1991. But how about Sandy Patty, the very same year? I want you to listen very carefully. Listen with your heart, and then we'll talk further with our special guest, who's going to talk about stealing freedom. Sandy Patty.
Sandy Patty sang of the hope of the world. The year before she sang that, and the year before Whitney Houston sang her memorable version of our national anthem in 1991, George W. Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, that is, the 41st President of the United States, declared a new world order before Congress. The year after Whitney Houston and Sandy Patty sang these inspirational versions of our national anthem. Forbes magazine, the foremost business magazine in America, devoted its entire 75th anniversary edition to asking this question, whatever happened to virtue in America? Whatever happened to virtue in America? 
Sam Adams, who was seen to be, shall we say, the inspiration of the American Revolution, made this statement. He, therefore, is the truest friend to the liberty of his country, who tries most to promote its virtue, and who, so far as his power and influence extend, will not suffer a man to be chosen into any office of power and trust who is not a wise and virtuous man. The sum of all is this. If we would most truly enjoy this gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. Again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Are we a virtuous people today? That's the question that hovers over our conversation today with our special guest, Jerry Newcomb, who has joined us a number of times before here on the program. Jerry is uh, uh, executive director of the, well, he's, are you executive director of the Providence Forum? Yes, which was founded by uh Peter Loback and given to D. James Kennedy Ministries. Uh-huh. So I'm still with D. James Kennedy Ministries, where I've been, by God's grace, since 1985. Wow. Wow. So you even preceded that night, famous 1991 uh, transition there. And interest- I did. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting when you were having the national anthem there sung by Sandy Patty. Yeah. And the fourth verse of that is the source for our nation's motto, which is, In God We Trust. In fact, if I could read that fourth verse, it says this, Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, In God is our trust. Is that true today, though? Well, uh, I mean, obviously there are large (laughs) portions of Americans that don't uh, trust trust in God. and um, It seems to me that it's at least half, if not more than half, of our country now. Uh, Designated politically by red and blue states, the fear of the Lord is not present in the blue states by and large, and is uh, primarily present, if at all, in the red states. Uh, We're seriously divided, aren't we? We really are. In fact, uh, Dr. Richard Land once wrote a book called The Divided States of America. <laughs> I think that really says it all. But uh, let me let me give this as an analogy. I I don't want to sound like a name dropper, but I once got to interview Dr. or I don't know if it was Dr., but George Gallup Jr., Yes, the pollster. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said to me, this was in the late 1990s, one of the things he said for our viewers, very important point, he said, Listen, when it comes to polling, and he was, we were talking specifically about the abortion issue, and he used the phrase pro-choice. So this is what he said. He said 20% of Americans are strongly pro-life. 20% of Americans are strongly pro-choice. 60% of Americans are in the mushy middle, and <laughs> pollsters can make, them, can make it out as if America is pro-life or pro-choice, depending on what they ask and how they ask it. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways there's the same kind of scenario exists in our today, where, but not just related to the abortion issue. Right. You have got about, like, let's say, 20% strong Christian faction of evangelicals and Catholics who are strongly committed to godly values, America as founded, you know, liberty under God, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, all the values that are stipulated and spelled out in the Declaration of Independence. 
the other 20% uh, that are really strongly committed are literally at war with America as founded. They mm-hmm. would like to set up, you know, wh- what they would think of as a quote-unquote progressive Marxist-type utopia. Utopia is the perfect word because it means no place. There's no place where Marxism uh, is brings paradise for anybody except for the, the creme de la creme, the, mm-hmm. the ones in charge. And then you've got about 60% of the rest of the population in the mushy middle. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they tend to be with the pro-God side. Other times they tend to be with the anti-God side. But, but that's kind of, uh, I think that picture is, you know, it rings true, at least in, in some of these debates. Now, I will say that by God's grace, uh, I believe, you know, that, the founders, I mean, they weren't all inspired into were divinely inspired by God or something like that. But they were led by God, and many of the early documents of the American experience were so pro-God and so much in favor of the Christian experience. And quite frankly, what they did was they created biblical-type covenants as they formed new colonies. Mm-hmm. You see this in the Mayflower Compact. You see this in John Winthrop's City on a Hill speech, which actually is, it was a sermon called A Model of Christian Charity. Right. That's By the way, that is included Boston. as the appendix of my book, Renewing the Soul of America, Excellent. A Model well, of Christian Charity. Yeah, and all of those, all of these different colonies and so forth, in effect, what they did was they, they used the biblical concept of covenant to create the, the uh, colony in the first place, calling on God as a witness as they created this document and agreement for self-government, and by the time you get to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, 150 years later, you have a kind of somewhat secularized version of the same thing. It's still calling on God as a witness, and it's uh, it's basically an agreement for self-government, and there are witnesses who sign their names to, to the document. And that's true for both the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, yeah. and Dr. Donald S. Lutz of uh, you know University of Houston, author of The Origins of American Constitutionalism, he says, look, American constitutionalism gets back to these Protestant sects that were using biblical concepts of covenant to create their colonies, and, and it spills out into uh, the Declaration and the Constitution, well, not the only, U.S. Constitution. You know, Jerry, not, not only did they uh, uh, embrace these concepts of covenant, but 12 of the original 13 colonies have within their constitutions the Great Commission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28 as, shall we say, the raison d'etre or reason for being for those colonies. Well, and is the thirteenth one Rhode Island, and is and isn't the reason that it's missing, according to Doctor Donald S. Lutz, because uh, uh, Roger Williams was afraid of taking God's name in vain, so he didn't want to mention God in you know their charter, their you know colonial statement, and so forth, their government, their frame of government. They felt that this would be taking God's name in vain. Mm. They would have no free, no oaths taken, uh, like swearing allegiance, you know, within Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. colony, because they felt like, again, that would be violating the biblical concept. So in other words, 
the Bible informs all of these <laughs> these things. You know, especially you could see that with the example of the pilgrims, where they said in the, the Mayflower Compact, mm-hmm. uh, where they said, we, we did this, we came over here for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Well, and it begins the with line. the words, in the name of God, amen. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and here's the bottom line, is, that it was Christians who founded America for Christian liberty, mm-hmm. which they then extended to to others, including non-believers. And now, as my good friend Bill Federer puts it, uh, the the last ones in the boat are saying it's too crowded in here, and they're trying to kick the first ones out, the very ones who came up with freedom in the first place. Well, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Question, is the Spirit of the Lord in America today? That's a serious question. Because we can look back and see the godly heritage that we have as a nation. But if we are not submitted to the God of that heritage, then our godly heritage becomes an idol. And I think that's one of the great dangers that we have today. We're reverting back to look to the heritage, and we're not living godly in this generation. Yes, that's a great point, and it seems... It's interesting, too, when you think about it, Chuck, if you know the Bible well, and I'm sure you do, I can tell, you can see that even in biblical history, it seems as if there was virtually always a remnant. Mm -hmm. Just yesterday, in my Sunday school class that I was teaching in a Sunday school class in in South Florida, we came upon, I've been systematically teaching through Samuel and Kings. Good for you. Yesterday was first, what? I said, you good do? for you. Oh, okay. First <laughs> Kings, chapter 18, the contest on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the false prophets of Baal, Mm-mm. and all the power, and all the, the you know, the levers of power were against the godly forces. You know, Elijah felt that he was the only one. Mm-hmm. It turns out, well, there were 7,000 who hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. But the king and his wicked queen... Ahab and Jezebel, they were persecuting all the prophets of the Lord. And uh, one of the... Isn't that still happening right now via our government? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, but, you know, think about this. This is the history of Israel we're talking about (laughs) uh, in which this this occurred. So, you know, the bottom line is that um, sometimes there's the, you know, God's people are a remnant. There's a wonderful godly hymn that kind of talks about this this persecution that Christians sometimes experience. And it goes like, if, if the hymn is once to every man and nation, but the, the particular line or, or the verse I'm thinking of, the last verse, it says, though the cause of evil prosper, yet the truth alone is strong. Though truth's portion be the scaffold and upon the throne be wrong, yet that scaffold sways the future. And, Mm-mm-mm. you know, behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. And I wow. think that's just so true. And uh, it, You know what it all boils down to? What every generation of Christians need, in whatever context God has put them, they need courage and, and faith and to stand with, with God. I would rather fail in trying to be, you know, do the right thing than succeed in doing something that's wrong. There you, you know, go. We look back. We'll be right Chuck, back after back. this break. Oh, okay. Got to interrupt there. We'll be right back after oh. this break, friends. 
There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue, wrote John Adams just a few days before the Declaration of Independence was signed. He said, and if this cannot be inspired into our people in a greater measure than they have now, they may change their rulers and their forms of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. So our question today is, Is liberty still alive? That is the liberty that our founders fought for, the freedom that they fought for. Freedom is not free. You have to sacrifice for your liberty. Are we willing to do that, or has that become passe today? It seems that those early founders understood something that perhaps in a a grave, a, a, a gravitas, sense that we just do not have today. 20 years, exactly 20 years before the Declaration of Independence was signed, John Adams, the second president of the United States, wrote this. Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts therein exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards its fellow men, and to piety, love, and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia! What a paradise would that region be? All of that, friends, today is being replaced with intensity and intention by half of our country and the leaders that currently occupy the White House. Are they intentionally stealing freedom? That's the title of the book that uh, was presented to me by uh, our special guest, Dr. Jerry Newcomb, who has joined us here on the program today. Stealing freedom. Is it actually being stolen, or are we forfeiting it? Well, I guess you could say a little bit of both. (laughs) Stealing stealing freedom is is a, a product of... D. James Kennedy Ministries, mm-hmm. and it's very much of a joint effort. Uh, the forward is by Alveda King, and uh, she's absolutely terrific. She's the niece of Martin Luther King Jr., and really a strong evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me, if I may, just quote one sentence from her uh, forward. As Christ's ambassadors, we are called to be at the heart of every good movement of social and political concern. 
And this book not only has this forward by Alveda, but it also has the first chapter by Dr. Robert J. Pacienza, who is now the speaker on Dr. Kennedy's television program, which is called Truths That Transform. And he wrote about religious liberty from the Reformation to America's founding. And then comes a chapter by Dr. Kennedy and me called A Nation Built on Christian Principles. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Peter Lilbeck, who is the founder of Providence Forum, which, again, he generously gave it to D. James Kennedy Ministries, and I'm privileged to head it up for the ministry. Uh, He wrote a chapter on the separation of church and state. Uh, And then there's a chapter by the historian Stephen Mansfield, Dr. Stephen Mansfield, called The Turning. And the gist of that chapter, it explains uh, Hugo Black, uh, formerly of the Supreme Court, the one who... Yeah, one of the most liberal justices ever in the Supreme Court. Yeah, exactly. Former KKK member. But anyway, what he did was he, he substituted what the founders said, essentially there should be no national denomination mm-hmm. for this idea of, no, no, that there should be this strict wall of separation between church and state. Right. And then David Gibbs III uh, of the National Center for Life and Liberty, he wrote a chapter called The State of Religious Liberty in Modern America. And then John Rabe, who's co-host with uh, Dr. Robert Pacienza on the City of God podcast put out by Coral Ridge Ministries, uh, D. James Kennedy Ministries, uh, he wrote a chapter called The Clash Between Religious Liberty and LGBTQ+. And then there's an epilogue by uh, excellent author uh, in his own right who edited the whole book, and his name is John Amen. And then there's also an appendix with legal groups that defend religious liberty. Mm-hmm. Many of those groups, by the way, were actively involved in the wonderful victories that occurred recently in in the Supreme Court. Yeah, such as, you know, just this know, last week. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just, just recently. Um, so we thank God for those ministries. In fact, quite frankly, in, 19, in the 1990s, mid-1990s, D. James Kennedy, Bill Bright, James Dobson, uh, Marlon Maddox, Larry Burkett, and maybe one or two others got together and said, you know, we have a problem here. <laughs> we are losing our, you know, liberty mm-hmm. in the land of liberty. What's going on? And so they created what was initially called the Alliance Defense Fund, ADF, and uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, as it's known now, is is actively working to uh, promote the gospel. As my good friend Bill Federer put it, He said, you know, the number one priority is to preach the gospel, but the number two priority is to make sure that it's legal to preach the gospel. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe the number two priority or the number three priority is to live out what we say we preach. Absolutely. And that's what our problem is. We're not doing that. I I would agree that there's uh, quite a bit of of hypocrisy among evangelicals. In fact, Mm -hmm. I'm... In a, in a conversation with Dr. Richard Land uh, on my own radio show, mm-hmm. those are available at ProvidenceForum.org. But, uh, you know, Dr. Land and I were talking about the the rise of the evangelical movement, the modern evangelical movement, and some of it, you know, we were talking about, well, are there really, you know, true revivals taking place in our own time? And he said, he said, uh, the problem with uh, if you look at the, the this gigantic evangelical movement that we've seen, you know, in the 1970s, you remember there was a cover story with Time or something like that. D. 
the year of the evangelical, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said the the problem with, with the revival and so forth, he said, I can give you one word, divorce. He said, in other words, there were so many people, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. No, you say what you need to say. Okay. Well, You're just anyway, repeating so, what I've said for 20 years. So many professing Christians that got involved in, in, in divorce that it, it really hurt the witness of um you know of of that as a movement. Now I will say this and I think this is a really important point. The reason for the explosion of divorce in America is the legal issue that in all the 50 states you have these no fault divorce. Well laws. that began with Ronald Reagan in 1968 and he declared it was the worst thing he ever did to sign that well, bill. Well and probably the second worst thing he ever did was to uh to sign a pro abortion law as governor Later, he became pro-life, mm-hmm. and and he once said when he was running for president in 1980, he was asked why he wasn't pro-choice, and he said, well, first of all, I happen to notice that everyone who's pro-choice has already been born. <laughs> but Chuck, even if, even when we fall short of of of, of you know of, of the standard, and we've all you know for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, uh, the the mercy of God is so great that we can repent. And, and, you know, make amends and so forth. Well, that's God the only hope. Flawed people. Repentance, flawed. the R word, is the only hope for America, or for any for of us, actually. Uh, repentance. Repentance yes. is the most positive word in the Bible. And without repentance, there is no hope. Now, here's what Abraham Lincoln said at the time of the Revolutionary War. He said that America was the last best hope of Earth. Now, if America is the last best hope of Earth, the question now hovers over us, what is the hope of Earth? If we're the best, last best hope of Earth, what is the hope of Earth? Now, I have people listening to this program in 180 countries actually listening. Why are they listening to a program sponsored by Save America Ministries? The reason is simple, because they see the last best hope of Earth waning away very rapidly. They see hope being lost. That's why. And what I'm seeing, Jerry, is I am seeing so many people trying to resort back to kind of the moral majority thinking that somehow... We wear the white hat. They, whoever they is, wears the black hat. And therefore, if we can raise up enough money, we can defeat the black hatters. The problem with that is that God says, no, the problem is my people. It's not them. It's you. And we don't accept that. We haven't accepted that for 40 years while we've been quoting Second Chronicles 7.14. We refuse to accept that because we say, no, we wear the white hat. So there's no revival in America. That's my concern. What's yours? Well, that's that's a good point. Only God knows the human heart. Uh, and I will say that, you know, ultimately America's choices are revival or ruin. D. James Kennedy once made this observation. He said that uh, America was born because... 
of a religious revival, referring to the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. America rectified uh, in in Maine, you know, the most evil, egregious aspects of of the nation, which was not unique to America, but the the problem of slavery. It rev- it did that after the Second Great Awakening. So Revival One led to the birth of the nation. Revival Two led to the uprooting of, uh, you know, one of the original sins of the nation. Mm-hmm. And now we're in desperate need for a third great awakening. You got that and, right. Uh, you know, I think the bottom line is, it's you know, America's real choices are two. They're two, just two choices. Revival, true revival, or ruin. You got it. That's exactly right. Now, let me, uh, <laughs> you tied in a number of names just a few moments ago. And uh, I'm going to go back, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, my book, Renewing the Soul of America. Uh, 38 national Christian leaders endorsed this book. And by the way, we're going we're gonna to offer your book, Stealing Freedom. I have three copies of it, friends, and it's going to be yours for free. That's right. We're going to make that offer right after this break. Stealing Freedom, the secular assault on your religious liberty. Those three copies are going to be available to the first three people that request them. But you'll have to wait until after this break to find out the terms. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. We're here today celebrating our nation's birthday. The signing of the Declaration of Independence, liberty, and justice for all. That's what our flag represents. But it's a symbol. And that symbol is falling into terrible disrepair. In fact, going back to 2002, when my book, Renewing the Soul of America, came off the press, I want to read to you some of the endorsements that came from some of these prominent leaders that our guest has spoken about. First of all, D. James Kennedy. With an insightful grasp on the history of our nation's founding, added to a deep understanding of the judgment God has imposed upon nations outside of his holy will, Chuck Chris Meyer clearly and crisply enunciates in renewing the soul of America the choices facing not only America, but Americans in this dangerous period of our God-blessed but God-warned country. That doesn't sound like some idle, spurious, off-the-cuff kind of endorsement, does it, Jerry? 
No. No. No, Dr. Listen to the next one by Dr. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade. As a country and as individuals, we stand at a crossroads to continue on the path to godlessness or to return to the way of righteousness. In his powerful book, Renewing the Soul of America, Chuck Chris Meyer shows us how we can make decisions that enable us to claim the glorious destiny of our God and Savior has ordained for us. Doesn't sound like a per, uh, an idle, kind of off-the-cuff kind of endorsement, does it? No. Listen to Pat Robertson. What will happen to America and to the world if the people of this generation rediscover our spiritual heritage and commit their lives and the life of this nation to it? Chuck Chris Meyer tells us in Renewing the Soul of America what can be done if we have the courage to make the right decisions. That's a big if. And how about this? The gravel voiced Adrian Rogers, Basil Profundo from Bellevue Baptist Church at the time, former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, said this, America is on the brink. We may be on the brink of blessings or incredible judgment. I firmly believe that God is our only hope, and at the same time, God himself is our biggest threat. It is my conviction that we do not need to persuade God to bless us as a nation, but permit him to do so. It would be glorious if every spiritual and religious leader in America could read this book, Renewing the Soul of America. That, those are just four out of 38 endorsements, friends. What are they telling us? They're telling us that back as early as 2002, we were perceived to be in deep, deep trouble. But we go even further back than that. In 1993, Time Magazine came out with a cover story. On the front was a cross. In the lower right-hand corner were these words, the generation that forgot God. It wasn't talking about the generation that was going to forget God. It was talking about the generation that already had forgotten God, going all the way back to the late 1960s up through 1993. And here's what they said. This is Time Magazine, friends. As Americans were flooding back to church in fear after Gulf War I, they said church will never again be the same. Why? Because Americans are looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. So who's stealing freedom? Are the liberals stealing freedom? Or are professing Christians actually participating, co-participants, in either stealing freedom or forfeiting it? That's the question that hovers over us here today on Viewpoint. And by the way, I want to make available uh, the book, Stealing Freedom, the Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty, because there is such an assault. It's a terrifying assault. But the question is, because we're not walking in liberty, the liberty of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, is it possible that we actually have opened the floodgates to have freedom and liberty stolen? That book is available to you free. For the first three people that order the book, Renewing the Soul of America, It's an $18 book, yours for $15. We'll provide Stealing Freedom free. The first three people that order Renewing the Soul of America, these are complimentary books. They're not duplicative, and that's why they're being offered in this way. 
We are living in very serious times, and they require serious response. I hope that that will be encouraging to you. I believe it will be. Uh, Jerry, uh, what do you make of those statements made by those historic figures who were profoundly respected as evangelical leaders in our country? Well, I think the overall implication is that we've been on the wrong path for quite a while. <laughs> and you think? And in fact, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with retired judges of America, but uh, semi-retired judge Daryl White mm-hmm. uh, of Louisiana is a tremendous uh, Christian, and I, I interviewed him recently, and he was, he quoted somebody from the early 1960s where the person was saying, if school children are deprived of learning about God, you know, uh, that eventually what will happen is it will literally supplant the whole constitutional process, because the Constitution is predicated on the Declaration of Independence, and the Declaration of Independence mentions God four times, and not in some, you know, unimportant or kind of ceremonial deism type way. No, 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 no. God is the source of our rights, and this is a really important point. Mm-hmm. We are endowed by our Creator with our rights, and that's why Americans, you know, in in 1776, that's why they declared independence, because those rights were being completely violated, and they were doing these, you know, making this declaration in accordance with the laws of nature and of nature's God. And uh, this is really important, because... That phrase uh, in the, the laws of nature and of nature's God gets back to a jurist named uh, Sir William Blackstone, who was very important to the founding fathers. He was right. from England. Sure. He wrote four commentaries on the, the laws of England, and he basically said that, look, the, the Creator, meaning God, the Supreme Being, has impressed upon his own creation laws within nature itself. But he said, we as human beings, in trying to discern and understand these laws of nature, we need supplemental revelation because of the fact this is a fallen world. And God has provided that supplemental revelation uh, through the Holy Scriptures. That's the only source you can find it. So that idea of the laws of nature and of nature's God is really basically talking about natural law Mm -hmm. and what we find in the Holy Bible. Right. Well, this is really important. This is what our Declaration of Independence is, is, is referencing. And then it says that we appeal the, you know, our intentions to the Supreme Judge of the world. And the founders knew who that is, according to the Bible. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the judge, John chapter 5, Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 25. And finally they said, and with a firm reliance upon you know, divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor in, in terms of making this commitment as we pledge to declare elite, uh, you know, uh, independence. You know, in effect, what the founders said in the Declaration of Independence is they said we declare independence from Great Britain, and at the same time we declare dependence upon Almighty God. There you go. And That's a great statement. They declared independence from great britain but they declared dependence upon god and that my friends if we truly live that out 
in biblical reality, we would obey God. But the word obey has become, unfortunately, Jerry, the most hated word in the church today. It's the before-letter word. I've had many pastors and parachurch leaders on this program over the past five years who have admitted that the word obey is the most despised word in the church today. What does that portend for the future of liberty in America? Well, that doesn't portend very much of a good thing, does it? Well, no, where I mean, the Spirit that's... of the Lord is there liberty, and the Spirit of the Lord is rooted in obeying His Word. That's exactly why Jesus came to obey the Father. He said, I do everything that He says to do. Whatever He says, I do. And uh, now He says, uh, now I'm out of here, and uh, what the Father has sent me to do, now I send you. In other words, to do the Father's will, to obey His voice. He says, not everyone exactly. who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going, to, is going to inherit the kingdom. Only those who do my Father's will. It seems to me That's we're living true. in an era of absolute radical redefinition of the Bible, of Jesus' purpose, and reflected in rebellion in our country. This is spiritual insurrection in the name of Christ. Well, as I said earlier, it's... It- that example with Gallup, where you're saying, in reference to the abortion issue, if 20% are firmly committed to the pro-life side, 20% firmly committed to the liberal side, and then the 60% are in the mushy middle. I do believe there is a, a, a faithful remnant, mm-hmm. Chuck, but you're right. Not there everyone always who, is. Who professes, not everyone who professes to be Christian uh, is, is being faithful to it. The great news, though, is that in God's province, he created a situation where the founders were able to create this foundation. You know, it's almost like a a gigantic building, and you could picture all kinds of pockmarks on it that the, you know, the left has has been working so hard to just destroy the foundation of what the, the founders gave us. But this foundation of American liberty still stands, and it ultimately gets back to two phrases this is the American experiment in two phrases, self-rule under God. There it is, self-rule, self-rule under, under God. God. The consent, yeah, the consent of the governed. It's it's just like the Mayflower Compact in the yeah. name of God. Amen. All right. Now, now friends. Names are underwritten, having undertaken a voyage for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, to covenant and combine ourselves into a civil body, body politic. Um, exactly. And, and what's happening is, quite frankly, the left, has its big guns aimed at certainly the God part, the under mm-hmm. God part, and, but they also have their big guns aimed at self-rule. Uh, you know, they you could see this. I mean, this is an extreme example, but you could see this in the, you know, the globalists right. that, that really want to take over America. They want to take over the whole world, frankly. But what's that phrase? You know, you will have nothing. And you will be happy. You it's, know? <laughs> like, well, oh, it's just another really? way of saying, <laughs> yeah, we're replacing God with government, uh, trusting man rather than trusting yeah. God, and uh, it's destroying the foundations itself. All right, we're we're we've had a, a freewheeling conversation here uh, with our friend Dr. Jerry Newcomb, uh, the executive director of Providence Forum, also with D. James Kennedy Ministries. The book that he has provided. Uh, stealing Freedom, The Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty. 
Now, I have three copies of that, and I'm going to make them available for free to the first three people that order the book Renewing the Soul of America, which is about what you and I need to do and to be. Stealing freedom deals with what's happening to us. Renewing the Soul of America deals with what you and I need to do. One person at a time, beginning with you. And that's why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it. $15 will put that $18 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. But if you want the special, you're going to have to call 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Because only then will we be able to keep track of the first three people and getting the free book, Stealing Freedom, the Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Jerry, appreciate uh, you, my friend. It's been a long road, hasn't it? It certainly has. And if uh, you could be so gracious to let me say ProvidenceForum.org, where people can you know learn about our resources as we're trying to save America. That's right. ProvidenceFreedom.org. Providenceforum. Forum, I'm sorry. ProvidenceForum.org. Absolutely. God bless, my friends. Freedom isn't free. Remember that. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 